disciples, they don't realize, because everyone wants to that, that spot, they don't realize, no, 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 in order to be there, you need to go through hell to get there. I just want to encourage you, and is that oftentimes, the things that you want, you need to be willing to keep going, even when it doesn't go good. And I think for a lot of us, we quit before something amazing happens, because we actually have never learned the art of perseverance. Contrary to what our entitlement tells us, you have to put in lots of work to be successful at what you're doing. Your aspirations for greatness have a cost associated with them. Today on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel explains that the same is true in your spiritual life. The disciples thought that Jesus was bringing in this glorious kingdom to earth, but missed that he would give his life for that to be realized. They wanted the glory without the guts. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter 20 as he begins a new study called Rules of Aspiration. You know, each one of us, we have these aspirations in our lives. You think of that word aspiration, it's a hope or an ambition of achieving something. And I think all of us, we've had those times in our life where you have this this aspiration, like this is this thing that I want to accomplish. You know, thinking back to my own life when I was much younger, I remember I had a friend who was a very good wrestler. He used to wrestle when we were like kids, not like WWF, like jumping off your parents' couch and elbowing each other, but like legitimately wrestling, you know? And so, and I remember when we were in middle school, I'm gonna wrestle. You know what I mean? Because my friend was doing it. I'm like, I'll just do that. And so I remember that I I decided I was going to wrestle. And so, you know, having never wrestled before, it was kind of a steep learning curve. But you learn really quickly when you're wrestling in middle school or in high school that depending on who the good wrestlers are, you just don't want to end up in their weight class. You know, and so, so, you know, at the time I was, you know, I'm still a little guy, but I was littler than I was now. I mean, I was only, you know, whatever, uh, 11, 12 years old at the time. The guy who was wrestling at, uh, at 119 pounds, he was a really good wrestler and be doing it a really long time. So I was like, oh, okay, so I, I needed to wrestle at 112 pounds. That was the wrestling class that I wanted to get into. But the only problem is I was about 122 pounds. And so, because I'm like, I'm like, I want, I want to wrestle. I don't want to be sitting on the bench. I need to get into the weight class and I was, and I'm young. So then you're like, okay, so how do you do this? And of course, what you don't realize that in wrestling, they have all these crazy ways of, 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 of you like losing weight. And so I don't recommend this stuff, but I was so passionate about wanting to wrestle at 112 pounds. I started drinking like a Nutrisystem shake which is really nasty when you're like, you know, 12 years old. It's really nasty when you're older, but it's especially nasty when you're 12 years old. And I would walk around uh, school and I'd spit in a cup, you know, because you're trying to get the water weight out of you. And then because it wasn't going off fast enough, 
we would take plastic bags and we would put plastic bags on under our clothes. And so you'd sweat all day and then you'd go and you'd, you'd run so you get extra water weight. And so I was really committed to this. And so sure enough, when the first meet came around and we were doing a wrestle off to see who was going to wrestle, I weighed in right at 112 pounds and I got to wrestle for the very first time in a match. And it was really bad, actually, you know? <laughs> It was all fun and games until a guy's got me in a headlock. And I'm just like, why am I doing this with my time? You know, but I had this hope of wrestling and I didn't do horrible that year. I think I was about like seven and four for the year. But after doing it for a year, I didn't really care about it all that much anymore. You know, I'm like, I don't want to get, you know, but but the things that you'll do when you have this desired outcome. And I think for each one of us, there's, we have these things that we aspire to. And what's beautiful is that Jesus wants to make sure that in our aspirations, that we understand kind of the rules of aspiration. Like if we're going to desire to achieve certain things, let's make sure we keep the main things in the main places. So in order to get at that, I want you to open up in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 20, Matthew chapter 20. We're going to be taking verses 20 to 28 in Matthew chapter 20. Now, you'll see why I want to talk about aspiration right away, because look at what happens. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 20, it says, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, What do you wish? And she said to him, Grant that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right hand and the other on the left, in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said to him, we are able. And he said to them, verse 23, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give. But it is for those to whom it is prepared by my father. And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Now, this whole series that we're doing, that's called Real Talk, we're seeing how Jesus has this great ability to get to the heart of the matter And I think the reason this is so important is for most of us, if we're not careful, we live our lives on the peripheries. Like we spend our whole life dealing with the smoke rather than putting out the fire. And oftentimes we need to ask questions to be able to get to the heart of what's really going on. See, I say that and I realize it's so easy for us if we're not careful to say, oh, well, yeah, we need to get to the heart of the matter. But we kind of just dismiss it. But ask yourself for a moment, how much of your life do you spend not on the root causes of things or the heart of the things, but on the details around it. I think for a lot of us, we spend a lot of time there. That we deal with just what's in front of us, not dealing with what is behind what's in front of us. 
And the problem with that is, is you will spend your entire life busy not really getting anywhere. Because oftentimes the superficial things, they're just symptoms of a much bigger thing that happens internally in the heart. And so Jesus, what I love about Jesus is that Jesus doesn't want us to waste our time. He realizes that our time is precious and time is fragile and lost time is never found. And once you lose that time, you can't go back and regain it again. He wants to make sure that we get right at the heart of the matter. So here, this whole thing here begins with, notice it says in verse 20, then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, what do you wish? And she said, grant that these two sons of mine may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your kingdom. Now, what does this teach us? This teaches us quite simply that aspiration is normal. That aspiration is normal. It's very normal for James and John's mom to want to see her sons do well. So aspiration is absolutely normal. She comes and she says to them, grant that these two sons of mine, grant that James and John could sit at your right hand and your left hand in your kingdom. See, every mom or every parent knows what it's like to want their children to do well, right? I mean, parents will go to bat. I mean, parents who get arrested at ball games because, you know what I mean? Like, they just want their child to, like, it's supposed to be a touchdown, and that was a penalty, and they freak out, and they get, and it's really embarrassing, and, you know, and, but, but it's because aspiration is really normal. It's super normal that all of us left up to our own devices are going to aspire to attain and achieve certain things. So, What's interesting here is that in Mark's gospel, James and John approach Jesus themselves, but here in Matthew, we find out that it's James and John's mom comes. And I love it because she comes and she approaches Jesus, she starts talking to him and he says, what do you want? What are you looking for? And so she says, will you grant that my two sons will sit in close proximity to you? See, the idea of, of someone who's sitting on the right hand or on the left hand in, in the kingdom of Jesus, they're close to the king, so they're close to the Lord. And they're close to where everything's happening. She wants her sons to be right in the middle of what is going on and all that pertains to Jesus' prestige and his power. You know, and it's really easy. Like, you hear this stuff and you hear sermons and you think, oh, it's just horrible that they would do that. But actually, it's actually really normal. I mean, I don't know about you, but it's like, if Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, then... I kind of want to be right where Jesus is. I want to be right where the action is at. We have this presidential election. Just a quick reminder. Search the scriptures. Find out what these candidates believe and vote based on your own conscience before the Lord. Jesus was a part of the world that we live in. And Jesus wants us as followers of Jesus to be part of the world that we live in. So make sure that you vote. But whoever gets elected, there's all sorts of people who want to be close to the president. It's very normal. People aspire to cabinet positions and appointments and all these different things, just like James and John want, and just like their mom wants for them. One of the rules of aspiration is that aspiration is really normal. It's real life, normal stuff. But what's interesting is Jesus then asks 
a question back to them. He says in verse 22, he first he says, you don't know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they say, we are able. And then Jesus says, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and my left hand is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my father. See, Jesus' answer is firm, but it's also probing. First, he says, you actually don't know what you're aspiring to, which I think that's always an important part of all of our aspirations is to remember that oftentimes we really don't know what we're asking for. Like, I'll give you an example. The love that people fall into and out of in high school is really like, it's kind of explosive, isn't it? You know what I mean? Like people, you're in high school, you fall just over the heels, you're in love, right? And you're like, oh, I can't live without that person. But you can meet many people who the person they were radically in love with in high school, when they go back to their 25th anniversary or reunion for their class, they're like, God, thank you so much. I didn't marry that person. <laughs> but oftentimes, like when you think, I just need to spend the rest of my life, you don't know what you're asking for. You don't really know all that's entailed in the aspiration that you have. And so Jesus saying, you know, you guys, you don't really know what you're asking for. Because what these guys are talking about and what Jesus is talking about, sitting at his right and his left hand in his kingdom, they don't understand what this is all about right now. And he, he asked them this question. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized? See, Jesus is not talking about when he is glorified on the throne. He's talking about when he is glorified on the cross. And remember, when Jesus was crucified on that cross, there was a person on each side of him. See, they think that the coming of Jesus' kingdom is just all about pomp and circumstance and thrones. But Jesus is like, no, no, the coming of my kingdom is about suffering. And before the crown, there is the cross. Now, talk about aspiration. I don't want to just skip over that. Because we see, like, we live in a day and age where everybody just wants everything, right? It's like we live in an entitlement culture where everyone just like, I don't want to do any work. Because I went to college, I should be the CEO. I never worked a day in my life, but I should be the CEO because my parents told me that I'm amazing, and so now I should be the CEO. And we forget that before someone becomes a CEO, they put in all this time and all this work and all this energy. You see these amazing athletes, you know, who are performing at this high level, and we see them on game day, but you forget that all year long they are grinding this thing out. You know, they are studying and working and it's so much time is put in before someone can do something that is extraordinary. You know, and I think we forget that sometimes because for James and for John and ultimately what we're going to find for all the disciples, they don't realize because everyone wants to that, that spot. They don't realize, no, no, no. In order to be there, you need to go through hell to get there. I just want to encourage you and is that oftentimes the things that you want, you need to be willing to keep going even when it doesn't go good. And I think for a lot of us, we quit before something amazing happens because we actually have never learned the art of perseverance. I mean, can you imagine Jesus, right? When he was fasting for 40 days and he was 
driven by the spirit into the wilderness and Satan came and tempted him. And when Satan was tempting him, he said, listen, look at all the kingdoms of the world, right? I'm gonna give them to you if you bow down and worship me. See, what's amazing about what Satan offers Jesus is Jesus, those were already his inheritance. But in order for Jesus to achieve that inheritance, he had to go through the cross. But Satan is like, I'll give it to you now. And so often, we do not achieve the things that we desire to achieve because we are willing to take a fake substitute for the thing that we really want because we're not willing to persevere through. And how many of us, you look back on our lives and there was something that you were doing that you knew God had called you to, that you knew brought blessings and glory to God and blessings into the world, but you quit because you got tired. You weren't willing to keep up. I was talking to a pastor, a guy who God has used in a real powerful way. And, and I said, you know, he had been, he's been in ministry for 35 years. And I said, you know, what? You know, of course, other than Jesus, like, what God has done, what would you attribute it to? And he said, well, sometimes the guy who wins is just the last guy standing. And he's like, all along the way, I could have quit. I wanted to quit. I thought about quitting. I planned my exit, you know? And he's like, but by God's grace, I just kept showing up. And God keeps working when we keep showing up. And so for James and John, they don't realize what they're asking for. Because in the Bible, the cup was characteristically referred in the Old Testament to judgment and retribution. It shows up the prophet Isaiah, the prophet Jeremiah, a lot of different places. Jesus is talking about the sufferings that are going to inaugurate his kingdom, that are going to bring his kingdom forward. And he says to him, he's like, you will drink my cup. You got to remember that these two sons, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, James was the first martyr in the book of Acts. And John ended up exiled on the mining colony of Patmos where he received the book of Revelation. So these guys understood these sufferings that Jesus is talking about ultimately. But Jesus does say to them, and I think it's really fascinating. He says, but to sit at my right hand and my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my father. Now, this is one of those places, and I love this about the Bible, because the Bible's got all these tensions, right? And if you really read the Bible and you really think about it, about what the Bible says from cover to cover, there's a lot of areas where there's just like, well, how does that work? And a lot of people would say, well, how can Jesus be God in the flesh if he doesn't know to whom sit at his right hand and his left hand? And the reason Jesus is God and he doesn't know that is because part of God's plan in the incarnation, Jesus in flesh, he was functionally subordinate to his father, despite being equal in essence. Can I give you a great example of this? In marriage. You know how in marriage it says that husbands should love their wives and die for them, and wives should submit to their husbands as under the Lord? Some people don't like that. Oftentimes, it's people who don't want to believe the Bible. They say, oh man, I can't believe you believe the Bible. Wives submitting your husband. Is there anything more sexist? Actually, if you think about it, would you rather die or submit? Anybody who wants to choose? So if the Bible is, it's actually anti-male because he's saying, you guys, you need to die for your wives. And a woman very easily can submit to the self-sacrificial love of her husband because her husband now has her best interest in mind. Now, that's a big thing. Real quick, I don't want to get off on the marriage discussion, but some of you guys, listen, you love Jesus. You think your wife's supposed to submit to you, but you're not living self-sacrificially love to her. You better stop that business. You love her self-sacrificially. That's your job. God will work on her on her part of it. 
But too often guys say, we should submit to me. And I feel bad because you have these godly women and they have these husbands who love Jesus, but they're really not following him. And they make their wives make, they have to make dumb decisions because their husband's a knucklehead, you know? And that's just not right. It's not right. All the wives clap. All the guys are like, darn, Fusco, get us back. I'm aspiring. Get us back to the aspiration. I got caught preaching my example. Let me get back to my example. In marriage, a husband and a wife, right? They are equal in essence, both created in the image and likeness of God. But there is a functional subordination in the way God designed the way a marriage should work. The husband lives self-sacrificially, loves self-sacrificially, and the wife submits to the Lord and submits to that self-sacrificial love. They're equal in essence, but there is a functional subordination. It's the same picture. They're both right there. Now, if you don't have a clue what I'm talking about, don't worry about it. Because I realized I just kind of dropped a little bomb in there and we'll leave it there. And, and there's a lot of nuances to that. But Jesus is fully God, but yet in his incarnation, although equal in essence, is functionally subordinate. Where he's saying there's certain things that he's entrusted to his father, which is part of God's prerogative. Now, what I love about this, right, when we say aspiration is normal, in verse 24, look at what you get. And when the 10 heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. Now, why were they greatly displeased? It's not about humility. It's about jealousy. It's like, you know that the other 10, they wish that they thought of that. Like, why didn't I think to go in? Why did I get my mom to come and talk to Jesus so that I got my spot? And so they, they're thinking to themselves, what was I thinking? So they're mad that they, they spoke, but... Really, what it's sort of the aspiration is normal. So what do you aspire to today? What is the normal part of your life that you're like, this is something that I, I'm trying to achieve. Don't think that it's necessarily bad, right? It's normal. So the first rule of aspiration is that aspiration is normal. But then Jesus pops up in verse 25. He says, but Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles, they lorded over them. And those who are great exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. For whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. You want a rule for aspiration? Aspire for the right motivation. Aspire for the right motivation. See, Because everybody aspires and aspiration is normal, now we need to make sure that our aspirations, the things that we are seeking to achieve, that we have the right motivation. And Jesus gets right at the heart of this in what he says here. He says, listen, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles, the nations, they lord it over them. And those who exercise authority among them. So what they're saying is that Amongst the non-Jewish people, the way leadership and authority, it's functioning as a kind of a lordship over people. Well, it's my decision, and you can't make the decision, and that's, it's not your call, and all this stuff. And he's like, but it shouldn't be that way among you. See, really what Jesus is doing is he's saying, aspiration is normal, but these guys, their desires are just like the world. They have worldly aspirations. Because he's saying, you guys shouldn't all be upset. Why? Because... The Romans, they enforced their power with a strong arm. They made sure that you knew your place. And in a lot of ways, in the day and age we live in, you have a lot of that going on, don't you? You go to your job. See, 
Because authority can be oppressive, people think that we shouldn't have any authority. Jesus is From the time you were young, you thought about what your adult life would be like, what you wanted to be or do. Today, Pastor Daniel reminded you that having these desires and goals to work toward are a normal part of human life. However, as people who walk with Jesus, it's important that you consider your motives for wanting those things. Power, prestige, and control shouldn't be the driving decisions you make. Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. You can also connect with Pastor Daniel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the bottom of the page. That website again is JesusIsRealRadio.com. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will continue to lay out the principles that should guide the goals you set. You'll learn that when it comes to leadership, authority shouldn't be oppressive. God's hope is that you use the places of authority in your life to shore up and nurture the people around you. You can use your power to help them to grow so they can utilize all of who they are to better love and serve God and others. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Real Talk. Until then, may God bless.